That's me, nigga. You are now rocking with the Super Cali Fragilistic Expiali Dope Ship, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, featuring on the verge artists, established influencers, and people from all walks of life doing dope shit. With your host, Emiliano Styles. All right, welcome, welcome. This is Super Cali Fragilistic Expiali Dope Shit. Let me introduce y'all to Bo. Boli is a content creator, she's a photographer, she's a personal stylist for herself. She's a vampire. She's a wearing black aficionado. Okay, you're a creative. She's just an all around creative and we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of what she does and, and her more insight about her life. And to start off my podcast, I like to do a rapid fire segment. Okay. And the instructions are, I give you a choice between two things and give me zero explanation. Okay. But just tell me which one you prefer. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Martin or Malcolm? Martin. Rihanna or Beyonce? Beyonce. Creation or evolution? Creation. Android or Apple? Apple. Brutal honesty or white lies? Brutal honesty. The Neptunes or Timberland? Tim oh man. Timberland. The Clippers or the Lakers? Lakers. Career or family? Family. Marriage or long term commitment? Long term commitment. Pac or Biggie? Biggie. J. Cole or Kendrick? J. Cole. Steven Spielberg or George Lucas? Spielberg. Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon? Fallon. A matinee show or a night show? Matinee. Nike or Adidas? A Nike. HBO or Showtime? HBO. The Wire or Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad. <laughs> Autumn or Summer? Autumn. All right. So there we All go. Right. <laughs> That's the rapid fire segment right there. Little background on the show because you know what? I listen to podcasts and you know when I listen to podcasts, some of them, it, it gets kind of redundant. But I have to take into mind that some people will just listen to this one and they, and they don't quite know what the podcast is about. So what I wanted to do is kind of just like talk to different people. And I was inspired to do this because podcasts are of different levels. They're either really well produced or they may just deal with celebrities. But I wanted to talk to people on the verge before their breakthroughs, after the breakthroughs and just people doing dope things. And just because someone may not have a million followers, that doesn't mean that your opinion or insight is any less valuable because you're still doing your thing in your own right, you know? I met Bo, I met Bo Lee back in 2014. That's the year I first moved to LA. And when I first moved here, I was trying to, from New York, and I was just trying to find like like minds and I believe I don't remember I think it was like I found out about you through my cousin Muck he knew some people from Fifth Element Mag or whatever mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I remember seeing some of your work and I was like oh man this, this is really cool and then I reached out over social media 
and then we got the link and we went to like some art show at uh where at that like the hotel sofatel yes we went to the sofatel i remember that and then after that we went to like a dance party a little bar a little dance party after party yeah 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 so that was it i was like oh man this is cool because I don't know. I was just new here, and I was just trying to link with people in in of, of all walks of life. And Bo was gracious enough to uh, give me some of her time. And we was able to chop it up, and you know, it's always cool to meet like minds and people. So the first question is, what's the dopest thing that you have done up to this point? That's kind of a hard one, but I, I mean, I guess recently, I guess I. The, the thing that pops out to me the most is I was able to finally go visit Korea, which is where I was born. Mm. And I hadn't really been back since I became an adult. So I finally got to go last year. Um, I went to Korea and I, I, and I also went to Hong Kong. Like I went to China, I went to Zhuhai and Hong Kong. And um, it was like w- whenever you get to open yourself up to a different space different environment different culture just everything you know it just it kind of shifts you and and it and i was able to come back relaxed different perspective inspired more grateful for the things that i have here so yeah that was that was pretty dope for me that was last year october november korea was like a return to the Mecca. <laughs> so how long have you wanted to go back? With- oh my gosh. I I hadn't been back there since like 10 plus years. So a lot, you know, a lot changes in like 10 years. Yeah, I finally got to go. My family's out there. My dad's out there. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see like him and his thing and doing his thing out there. And his element. Yes. Um, and... Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Like it's just, it's just different. You know, it's it's not like everything there. I I loved it, but it just makes you see things differently. And yeah, go yeah, ahead. See things differently. So what? Can you give me a highlight and a low light? Yes. There. Yes. Okay. This is like a very like personal, like you know, the, like a su- subjective thing. So highlight, highlight is um, they the the nature there was well the time that i went it was during autumn so mm-hmm. they have beautiful foliage kind of like well you know you used to live in new york so you know that like the foliage of new york yes. yeah so they have like that kind of thing and when i went to korea i was able to travel to like the mountains and we spent like a night in a really beautiful resort like by the beach and so I got to hit like different points and then like see the city, see like a little area where like everyone usually goes to like shop, like tourists and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was like highlight, just seeing all these different areas, like going to Korea University and seeing like how my dad works because he's a professor there. So like, yeah, so it was all these different like little touch points of like nature, places, people. That was dope. Low point. I would say um, there's so they so so some old school places or some like more country places they have these bathrooms that are on the floor so you have to squat and piss on the floor or if you have to take a doo doo you gotta you know do it on the floor and that that was a no go for me 
<laughs> so what did you do? So, um, so at the time uh, when I realized that they would only have toilets that were on the floor, the one of the I, I went to Zhuhai in in China for work. Mm-hmm. So they would drive me to a. A hotel there that was considered a five star, okay. and they would have Western style bathrooms. So they would let me go there. Mm-hmm. They would let me go there and, and pee <laughs> if I needed to. Um, wow. Yeah. So so that that was probably like a low light. Like I I just I I could not do those bathrooms. Just you was VIP though. I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I have a really bad memory attached to it because when I was young, I went to the countryside in Korea and my grandfather was living there and he had those bathrooms and I remember crying like just just bawling mm. while I would pee squatting on the yeah anyway Okay, I don't want to dwell on this. Yeah, yeah, let's long. not dwell on it. It's a but, very it's a very minor low light. It's I mean low 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 point of the trip so it like bothers you because it just it just feels like kind of uh not derogatory or kind of well it's uncomfortable um two i already think public restrooms are are extremely dirty Mm -hmm. they say that the kinds where you have to squat on the floor are actually more cleaner but i just don't yeah see it that way so it just makes me feel really dirty okay I don't it's know. It's like a feeling. Like, and, I mean, have yeah. you have you ever gone to those bathrooms? Nah, but I understand because it's like everyone has their something. Yeah. So it's just like some things that will bother you won't bother others and vice versa. But everyone has whatever they have that makes them feel uncomfortable or comfortable. It's, yeah. It's what makes us human and different and unique. So. Yeah. But, but yeah, okay. long story short, dopest thing I've done recently was, yeah, getting out of this country, mm-hmm. getting into a different space and and people and culture and being able to just bring that perspective back with me okay and do you have a person or someone that you look up to that does dope shit or do you have a mentor or Uh, anything like that um well i don't have like a specific mentor but i mean i look up to really everybody around me Mm-hmm. A lot of my peers, a lot of my friends. Look up to me. Yeah, yeah, you doing this? Yes, of Stop course. Lying. Yes, of course. Girl, I have. Stop. Girl, stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I, actually, like right now in this specific time of my life, yeah, I'm really happy to, to be around and and have like even digital connections too because we may not be like physically next to each other or like be able to see each other all the time but yeah Mm -hmm. peers people i know people i've worked with um creative or corporate um yeah i pull i i pull a little something from everyone anybody in specific i mean my grandma of course she's a big inspiration to me but your grandma, why is she uh, so inspiring to you? Because she, she is, she's like my mama. She, she raised me. Gotcha. Yeah, she raised me um, since I was a baby. How old is she now? She is 83. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. 82. Got it. Yeah. Okay. She getting she old. But she looks, she, you know. Yeah. She functions. That's what's up. Like she, she, yeah, she goes out more than I do. What? So I'm like, 
do your thing. Go. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's what's up, man. I uh, I have a special place in my heart for people because I don't have any more grandparents. They all passed on. Did you know? get to meet them before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really close to my grandmother on my father's side, but man, it's just something like, because she was born in 1908. So, oh. Yeah, so she died when she was like 96, 97. So it was like, for them to see all of what they have saw and the changes of the world, it was just like being around them and just hearing them talk and just being in their presence just it was just like so fascinating. Oh my gosh. In their perspective. And for them to still be in their right mind and know what's going on. That's so healthy. Yeah. Oh eight? Yeah, she was born nineteen oh eight. My grandma's thirty four. Nineteen thirty four. Okay. So she had like thirty year damn near thirty years on my guess. Yeah, so she's seen a lot. That's yes. so dope. I know, right? Oh yeah. my god, that's so dope. Okay. Yeah, miss you, grandma. Oh yeah. Oh my god, soft spot for yeah, I have such a soft spot for elders. Yeah, man. Especially the ones that are like sharp. And they they tell like some my grandma like sometimes when she tells tells me old stories from back in the day. Mm-hmm. I can never really understand it. You know, I can only understand so much of it mm-hmm. because it's such a different time. Yeah. But yeah, I find that like very fascinating because there there is always like some kind of like underlying theme that carries on mm. regardless of how much things change. Um, yeah, that's what's dope about culture in a sense. Yeah, I love culture. Let's talk about a little bit about your upbringing. So you mentioned before you was born in Korea. Yep. Now, did you ever sneak over the border to North Korea? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. I did not. So you were born in... Born in Seoul. You were born in Seoul. Seoul, uh, yeah. Born in Seoul, Korea. Uh, came to America when I was a baby, like not even uh, like three years old, almost four. Mm. Grew up a little bit in New York, a little bit in New Jersey, but pretty much I am California. I've lived majority of my life in Southern California. Um, did you know high school, college? I went to UCI, University of California, Irvine. Graduated with a film and media degree. Oh no, let's let's rewind yeah. a little bit. Okay, your. Going to school when you like elementary school, high school. What type of student were you? Um, Let's talk about that because I like you. Want you want to know? Yeah, because I just think that's interesting how people blossom. Or I mean, what type of student? Like, were you the jock? Were you a nerd? Were you the quiet one? Oh my gosh! Because people are going to be able to relate to whatever path or whatever you identify with. I was uh, when I was elementary i don't know i was kind of an outsider i was kind of an outsider because that was when i was moving back and forth a lot like i moved back and forth from new york to california a lot so you were ahead of the game you were bi-coastal before bi-coastal was a thing yeah but it was like in a time where it, it, it wasn't cool to do it okay. <laughs> you know because right. because when you're young you're trying to like figure out where you fit in you and you're trying in. to like find friends and do this so i was always kind of like an outcaster so when i was younger i kind of struggled with school like i I remember, I don't, I don't have a lot of memories because my mind, you know, like it's like a coping mechanism where you like block Blocks it out. out. So you said 
school was hard was it hard socially or was it hard it was hard it was hard socially and it was hard academically like i there was a time in the period where i was like failing damn near all of my classes except for science my science teacher was like I, I, I remember I had a PTA conference. It was all of my teacher from all of my periods and my mother and me and every single teacher was like, yeah, Bo's failing, Bo's failing, Bo's failing, except my science teacher. She's like, oh, well, she's actually good. And my language teacher. Them two, they're like, well, no, she's actually okay in this class. But yeah, elementary was a little bit tough because I was growing up with my mom and me and my mom are not like tight. Mm-hmm. But then um, after that, growing up like high school and college, like I just kind of, you know, I just breezed through it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really that involved because my friends were outside of my school. Gotcha. Like they didn't, I mean, I had some friends in school, but then a lot of the people that I hung out with were outside of school. Got they it. were older or they went to a different school. You was on some next level shit. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, it was all like, mm. no, but yeah, I mean, school is cool. If I can go back now, I would, I would probably be a lot more attentive. Mm. But at the time it was more, let me just, like, I knew I had to be there. It's not like I didn't, you know do what i had to do i did it but yeah it's, it sounds like like those lower levels of, of school was like let me just get through this mm-hmm. it wasn't like you were like stopping to smell the roses like let me get on with this and move on yeah i mean i think i sometimes i've reflected on it now and you know it's it's kind of like you think about these topics that you learn about and i find like for instance economy or things like that really fascinating now but at the time when i was taught it the teacher sucked. Mm. So it's it's like, yeah, you have like this kind of really good information to take in, but if the person who's delivering it can't connect with you, yeah, then you're never really gonna wanna learn it. And I remember my economy teacher then sucked. Yeah. And and back then like when we would learn how to do like even like coding or things like that in class. It, you know the teachers were just like yeah because i feel like because i i taught i used to teach i always felt like when i became a teacher i always wanted to be the type of teacher that i wanted to have when i was in school yeah so i feel like just because you're very knowledgeable about your subject or whatever you're working on that doesn't make you a good teacher right. you still have to be engaging and you have to be creative that's why i was able to excel myself as a teacher like when you talk about uh, economy class i remember one time i think it was a civics class and we were talking about mergers right and we were talking about (laughs) uh, how it's sort of like sometimes there's an illusion of competition yes like there's like goodyear tires and there's kelly tires but goodyear tires owns kelly tires there's nike and there's converse but nike owns converse you know what i'm saying so it's like you think you're some you think some companies are competing with or not and they may merge and buy each other out, whatever, banks, whatever. And I remember this student, she was like, Yeah, I wish <laughs> she said, I wish Lane Bryant and Victoria's Secret would merge so I could get me some sexy big draws. <laughs> and I was like, Yo, that is so funny, you know what I mean? But if if I wasn't teaching that class, like she wouldn't have said it or a teacher may be like, that's inappropriate or whatever, but yeah. I definitely relate to you 100% on 
there would be an interesting class, but the way it's presented and executed, it has to be done in an engaging manner for the, to to pique people's interest. Yeah. And yeah, like like you said, that's a perfect example. Okay, so tangent. Yeah, yeah. I but, mean it's a tangent. At, at the end of the day, like teaching, like yes, teacher, you know mm-hmm. your knowledge, cool, but it's a it's it's a it's still like a very two way thing. Mm. Like if you just stand there and preach, preach, preach. Like, I don't know. I just, it's not engaging. Yes. Yeah, you lack that. Mm. It's its only going to get through to a certain percentage of kids who are maybe like the high achievers. You know? Got it. So, you went to UCI. Yes. What made you major in film and media? Uh, good question. So, actually, I went to UCI as a bio major. Mm. And so you're going to be a doctor. Yeah. I mean, Irvine, University of California, Irvine, like they're kind of, I guess, known for having a pretty good medical program. So I got accepted as a biology major. And at the time, like that's what my family wanted me to do because that's what Asian parents want you to do. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And I did it for almost two years. And then I said, no, 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 that's not what I want to do. And um, I I love language and communication. I love philosophy. I love humanities, psychology. Like, I, I love the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've always had a thing about visuals because um, it's such like a, it's such a strong language that we have. Everybody, everybody has it. Like any culture, anybody, like how we process visual information, like it's such a powerful thing. That's even from the moment we're born, before we can say a word, before we can articulate how we feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, sound is involved, yes, but like the things we see. You know, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's such a powerful thing. But it, but yeah, I mean, I I I love film. I I love media in terms of like how we communicate. You know, the ways we communicate, what we communicate, and how people interpret mm-hmm. the things that we send signals to each other. So yeah, so I I decided to do a film and media. <laughs> I went humanities and did film and media. But was there a moment that the light bulb clicked for you to do that? Because that's like a stark change going from yeah, it's like sciences to the humanities. Yeah, it's one eighty. Um, I don't know. It, there wasn't like a big like aha moment. Okay. I think I, I don't know. I I feel like it was just something that was always inside me, mm. but it was always suppressed. Mm. And I think I did a lot of things because I thought it was safe or because it was what my family wanted me to do. So I would do it. Right. But then, I don't know, there was always just this other side of me where I was like, that's, like, no, that's not what I want to do. Or no, like, this is like your real thing or this is what it's always been. So I don't know. It's really hard to explain it, but I just think it's like something that was always kind of there. And it's just been slowly surfacing. Yeah. And and when I finally started feeling uncomfortable about it, you know, like you can't like fight your own truth. Yes, I know exactly. Yeah. What I mean. And and then so it it and 
and it didn't just like boom one day flip but it was like a gradual thing so it was like i started to feel it so i was like okay i think i have to go this way then i did it and i just kept going that way and it's like day to day even till now like i'm still trying to be comfortable with it like trying to be comfortable with the fact that like yeah i'm an artist or like yeah i you know this is my passion or like yeah i still i still deal with that all the time like that kind of resistance i deal with that all the time where do you think the resistance comes from that you feel like you can't totally be a hundred percent um i think artist yeah i don't know i i think um it's I don't know, maybe because I'm sensitive. <laughs> maybe, you're an artist and you're sensitive about your shit. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I think I'm sensitive. I think. I think there's um, definitely like culture involved. Like Korean culture mm-hmm. doesn't. Um... So, your family they didn't take it well when you changed your major, or were they generally supportive? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were supportive, but they 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 didn't understand why I would do it. They they did not. I mean, man, like back then, even for me to switch my major, I hesitated for months. Mm. I hesitated for months, and I and I didn't want to tell them, or I didn't. I couldn't figure out how I wanted to tell them, and I ended up changing it without telling them, and then couple months later i told them and then when i did they just couldn't understand not they they didn't tell me oh that's terrible don't do it but they they definitely conveyed like i i don't understand why you would do that so you know you kind of like i'm really tight with my family so you want that kind of like validation from them in a sense but i know that i can never get that 150 percent from them so i think that feeds into it because then you you lose this like sense of identity and and that like your sense of identity grounds you in everything you do but then at the same time like i i finally understood like no like that kind of identity that was created for me like that's not really what i am like I can create my own. Like I know what it is that like really pulls me. So I don't know. Like Korean. Like I'm just not traditional like that. I guess in that sense of Korean culture. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, till this day, I, I have conversations like this with my friends all the time. But till this day, it is a constant struggle of like cultural identity, like where I fit because I don't fit in that realm. But then at the same time, I'm not like fully on this side either because I am so tied to certain roots of my culture. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always like a struggle of like, who who am I or like, who am I creating myself to be? Because you need you need roots. You do. But at the same time, you don't want that to like hold you down to what like you can create yourself to be because i i'm a big believer that like it's it's not it's not fate it's not um it's not destiny like it's very like you craft your own 
shit. Can I curse? Yeah. <laughs> the name of the podcast is Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. All right. Yeah. You create your own shit. You do. Like we have one life. Like mm-hmm. when I think about that, I'm just like, man. And I definitely feel you because um, I feel that my my loving parents they work very hard. Like my pops was a Vietnam War vet, retired robbery homicide detective. My mother like worked for the city, so they were very much like blue collar ish. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they busted their ass and worked overtime and all this shit. So I could to be a creative and I could really like forge my own path. But they was doing that shit because they had to yes. feed the family. They had to make a living. So they didn't. I mean, they, they still had a choice, but they wanted to work hard in in a tangible manner because there's no real entry level position to be an artist. It's not like I do an internship as a painter and then I paint this piece and then in, in five years I'm a painter and I'm you know what I'm saying there's no entry level <laughs> like job your pay grade is gonna go up 25% after you work this amount of years like there's yeah, nothing like none that. Of that so when I was like so I feel like much like you my parents they supported what I was doing but they didn't quite get it so I don't think they got it until it was one time where like I had moved to New York from Atlanta and I, I wasn't in New York a year, and then I was in this like national magazine, and I had like a write-up on me. So they was like, oh, now we like sort of get it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then when they started seeing my work and, and seeing that my lifestyle was like kind of changing, then it was like, oh, we, we like get it now. So I feel like, the more you create and the more that you thrive and the more ideas you get out, that you can kind of help people see your path and your vision and stuff. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That That's exactly kind of like how my family's been kind of reacting to certain things too. Like, like we don't get it, but... We don't get it, but... We want you to be happy and support you. <laughs> yeah. What? I don't know how you're making money. Yeah. What, what exactly do you do? You yeah. edit TV shows? What? You take pictures? And you yeah, do that? Yeah, yeah. You work with, with that brand? And they pay you because okay, whatever. As long as you're happy you're doing your thing. Yeah. So, okay, can you tell me about school at UCI? How was that? It was bio, I will say it's it wasn't that fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. Um because it well it probably fed into the fact that it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So it just made it that much tougher. But I mean, we would sit in like these huge, you know, like stadium lecture halls. Oh, so you're like yeah. 300 students mm-hmm. with like a professor where if you're sitting, you can hardly see their face and, and you have to learn about bio. <laughs> so yeah. It, and, and that was more about like, well, when I think about it now, I think it's fascinating. I think nature is fascinating. I think bot, the way your body is and the way the mind works. I think all of that shit is really fascinating now. Mm-hmm. But back then, the way it was taught, it is not fascinating. Yes. It's like, here's a hundred uh, terms. Memorize that shit. You're going to have an hour and a half exam later. Mm. That's what it was. Lecture halls. 
I wish I wish I would have appreciated it more, but I but I didn't because I think I started off like going into something that I didn't necessarily want to do. But when I did go to college for film and media, I was I was all all in it. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say with those classes, though, once it got into like upper division, where you're like doing like creative writing sessions when you're doing like 300 level classes mm -hmm, when you're doing like production stuff like it's a lot of fun mm. like that i was all in yeah okay. that kind of stuff was really fun i mean the class sizes were d smaller you know it's not like a 300 person lecture hall it's more like maybe maybe 30 people tops in a class okay. and you're actually in a classroom and then you get to go out and shoot so that, that I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna sit in the front of the class. So you were excelling because you were doing something that you were passionate about. You had a greater engagement and interest in creative writing and doing film and media stuff. Oh yeah, but yeah, and it totally reflected in my grades too. Yeah. yeah. That is so important. Because mm -hmm. even when I was a teacher, like, you know, I, I feel like sometimes teachers get lazy and comfortable, but I always used to give a differentiating I used to give diagnostic tests to figure out people's learning styles, uh -huh. and I would formulate my test towards that. I mean, it takes a lot more work and lesson planning, but it was definitely beneficial for the students to learn. Neighbor, do you have slang, like a neighborhood slang from where you grew up? No. Or can like, you, you know some like Korean slang? Like what's... <laughs> no. You know, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of Korean friends. Okay. Yeah. You grew up with? I, I grew up with like... White, Mexican. Uh, so you grew up in Southern California, but in Irvine, right? I grew up, like, childhood, I I remember majority of it being in New York. New York? Yeah. And you New, was in Queens? New York, New Jersey. New York and New Jersey. Yeah. Like, Manhattan, and then, like, New Jersey, Edison. Edison. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So, like, there, which is, like, suburb area. Yeah, I'm familiar with Edison. Isn't Edison where the Ikea is? Is it? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't no, been there. No, it's Elizabeth. There. Okay. It's Elizabeth. I'm buzzing. Yeah, but there it's, it, I remember okay. it being very suburb. Okay. Um, I remember like, I, yeah, I had like white friends, a lot of white people. Mm -hmm. I had white friends. Uh, when I was here in California, I had a lot of Mexican friends. But in California, you were where? I was in, uh, I was in Yorba Linda. I was in Garden Grove. I love the countdown, by the way. <laughs> Garden Grove. Garden Grove, I had a lot of Mexican friends. Okay. Then then at the time when it was time for me to almost go to middle school, my family did not want me to go to a middle school in Garden Grove because they were like, your life is going to get messed up if you go to Garden Grove school. I don't know. They're very like, you know, mm -hmm. um, what do you call it? Stereotypical. Mm -hmm. So then they sent me to Yorba Linda and Yorba Linda is a lot of rich white kids, which is pretty much who I grew up around got it, got and got it. uh yeah so um I mean we were by no means like rich but you know we're we're okay they the, like your family like how you know they had to like work and hustle yeah. not necessarily do their passion mm. but you know they moved from Korea came to the states like got their U.S. citizenship really really hard and they worked their ass off, like, yeah. like hustled in New York. Um, For the sake of the family. Mm -hmm. you know, like, Moved to California. Yeah. Like, hustled. 
and and like built a business so yeah they like it was a lot of blood sweat tears um they moved to your belinda for the sake of me so that i can go to a better school and you're the only child i mean like pretty much only like i grew up as the only child but i technically i do have a brother okay and and i do have a half- if you don't feel comfortable i could cut oh, this out oh it's okay. fine no i have a brother i have a half brother a half brother and a half sister so like my brother and my mom live in new york and then my dad and his new wife and half brother half sister they live in korea got it so like my immediate family we're all spread We've been spread since like the spread family. Yeah, like 10, 15 freaking years or something like that. Yeah. And and Bo, were you named after someone? No. Okay. Yeah. I was technically the first grand kid. Okay. Yeah. So Bo is supposed to mean like precious one. Precious one. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. It was like it's it's like this like Korean thing where like they go to the temples or, or like they go somewhere to like find like what should you name your child mm. or your grand your like first grandkid and and that was the name Bo. that's dope yeah so but yeah um that that was that was my education life all right i wanted to move on can you define your profession or passion like if you would define, if someone says, what do you do? What do you tell people? Oh, that's like the million dollar question because yes. I hate being bottlenecked, but at the same time, I hate sounding like I'm all over the place. Honey, you hate but, being bottlenecked. I mean, because you know, like a title in a sense that- Oh, okay. Like you should know too, like in production, like they say, oh, if you're an editor, then you're just an editor. Yeah. But it's like, no, 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 I know how to write. I also know how to produce. Yeah, because I feel like people can't quite get their I um their minds around people being multifaceted. So even though I do editing, because I always say, I say all the time, editing is not sexy. <laughs> you're in a dark room. But it's one of the most important steps. It is. It's so important. But you're in the dark room. And no one says, like, when I grow up, oh, I want to be an editor. Like, most people who are in entertainment, they want to be a director. And they want to yep. be a writer. Yep. But... Editing, but editing, like, everyone can't edit. And a lot of people don't like to edit. It's tedious. You have to redo things over and over and over. But anyways, yeah, I, I definitely feel you. So anyways, back to the question. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not trying to dodge this. So, so I guess right now what I would say is I, I'm a content maker. I make content. I gear it mainly in visuals. I am a freelance photographer. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for five years. Okay. Five years, like a solid five years. So right. You do, okay, you do all type of photography, portrait. Yeah, I've done portraits. I've done headshots. I've done headshot. like concept photography. I've done product shots. Um, I really started my photography in um, a lot of like event driven stuff. Um, I used to be a in house photographer for Key Club. So we want to say that. You are a content creator. Yeah. That's the, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this year in particular, I mean, you're catching me kind of at a time where right now it's like I'm re- like evaluating a lot of stuff. Like where, where, like what do I want these next six months, next year, next three years, next five years to be? 
because now that I look back at like, okay, these last five years, this is what I've done. This is what I did with like Lee box tapes, like, and, and kind of like, where, where do I want to go from now? So right now, like, yeah, I'm still doing photography. Um, I do like social media and PR for a company. Um, I also, um, so, so let's, let's, let's break it down. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the different facets of what you do. So you start out, let, let's just go down the list. Got it. And go into, like, kind of dig a hole and, like, explore a little bit. Okay. So first, you're talking about photography. You do concept photography. And you said you were the in-house photographer for Key Club. Yeah. So with that, I've, like, you've, I've seen, like, you did a lot of dope concert photography. I saw, like, was Fonte. Mm-hmm. Like a young, younger Anderson Park. Yes. Um, yeah, he when he was a drummer for Elzai. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, who else? Who else is some I've seen that you f- photographed? Oh my! I mean, pretty much like anybody who got to perform at that at Key Club. I mean, Key Club is now closed, but mm-hmm. you know, it was like a really iconic concert venue down on the Sunset Strip. And how did you get into photography? Was it in college? because you were majoring in film and media that you gained more interest in that? Yeah, I was okay. film and media, I, um, and then I really like gained interest in photography. Um, I did take like um, a film um, photography class too, where you know, you're know you in the dark room and you're making your own prints and you're mm. like getting to do like creative like concept shoots mm. and you um, do that. So I was learning how to do that. And then um, I invested in a camera. And then I, I mean, music has always been, you know, like a big role in my life too. Like I, I love music. I love live shows. I love like hip hop and, and R&B and et cetera, et cetera. So um, how I got the thing at Key Club was uh, there was a time I went to went to a show. It was Slum Village, oh. and uh, I had my camera there with me. They they let me in. I I think I had like a media pass or something. So anyway, so I'm in the concert. The the guy you had a media pass for which outlet you were calling? You know, no, I th- I think I just kind of like talked my way in. Okay, I was a girl. You know, oh, you know they right. you know they kind of like he's like yeah. So, so I'm there, and then I I remember uh, there was like the security guy. You know, they kind of like guard the stage area, mm. and he was like, "No, like no, you can't come up on stage to do photos, but you can just hang around and do photos on stage." But it was Slum Village, so at the time when so he said, "No, you can't come up," but then when he turned his back. I, I went up anyway. Gangster. <laughs> Bowie is a gangster. <laughs> and I and I did some creative pho- gangster. <laughs> I did some photos and at the time like the lady who was working like the, the marketing for the place, she saw that. She saw me do that. And so when I got kicked off the stage and How I was, long was it when you sneaked on and when you got kicked off? Were you up there for a good minute? Or? Yeah, I was up there for a good minute. I was okay. happy. I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I, I got my shots. Yeah, yeah. All I was right, like, cool. I can get off. So I'm like walking back through the crowd and someone taps me on my shoulder and it was her. Mm-hmm. And she um, pretty much brought me back 
she's like, you weren't supposed to do that shit, but that's the kind of shit we're looking for. Yeah, go get it. She's like, you're a go getter. I like your pizzazz. Yeah. So then after that, uh, yeah, she had me come back, and and I remember like the next show I photographed was Goopoli. Oh, word. Yeah. And then ever since that, like, I, yeah, I stayed there for about like a year and some months, pretty much until they closed down. But uh, whatever shows I can go to, I, I would go and I would shoot. I mean, I would like grind because mm-hmm. I was going to school and I had a day job and I lived in Orange County. And so I would drive up to Hollywood to do these shows at night. It would wrap by like 1.30. I would drive home, edit photos, send it to them, get up in the morning and go to work. I mean, I did that multiple times. It was like living a double life. Oh my gosh. But I I loved it though. I I, I loved it. I really dig and appreciate the fact that you said that because I always feel like when you deal with success stories or just like people who are doing dope shit in general, the common denominator is work ethic. Mm-hmm. So it's like a specific type of work ethic that you must have or possess some type of drive that'll allow you to do that. So that shows that you had that passion and fire in you to be able to, to do that. Yeah. So that's really dope. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was it was it was a really good experience, I have to say. Alright, so that's the photography side. Yep. And then you also also do, I must say, I have a love and hate relationship with the word content. I know. It's a it's a very buzzy word now. Yeah. I feel like. Cause I feel like I'm like, fuck, I'm a I feel like you are an artist. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you say content creator, I'm like, I mean, I know that is a buzzy I, I, I word think, or I think I think maybe it's part of the fact that I still struggle with calling myself that too, though. Like an artist. I feel... Or a creator. I'd rather creator than content creator. Like, it's yeah. just like creator. But I know we all need... I mean, content, it has a certain... Um, what is it? Uh, what's the word? Connotation. Yeah. That will allow people to understand what you do more so. But I don't know. I kind of have a love and hate relationship with it. But, okay. I feel you. Now, so Bo, she has some dope interactive transmedia type films. <gasps> Thank you. And one that was, it's called Split. Yes. Now, Split was like really dope because it's like, I feel like what, you know, like one of the most best-selling or most, uh, popular genres is romance or day or stuff like that so dealing with breakups and relationships and meeting people i think is just such a fascinating thing a lot of people relate to that yeah. uh, so what inspired you to do your split project um i love <laughs> I love love. I do love love. I love. I oh, love. You're a romantic. I I am. I am like a Valentine's under. Valentine's Day is coming up soon. 
Bow loves love. Send her flowers via Twitter. But but I I also love exploring all the all the messed up things about love. Yeah. I I I'm really fascinated with love with the with the fact that it is so universal, but also with the fact that it is so nuanced, mm-hmm. and also with the fact that. It's it's so subjective in a sense. Mm. Like we all have to agree on what love is and what isn't. Mm. But then at the end of the day, it's it's so subjective. It's different for everyone. Yeah, it's it's different from every for everyone. And but then yet everyone has you know everyone has their own idea of it. And I love exploring what beginnings are and what ends are because. Um, that in itself is subjective too. Like we all experience our own beginnings and our own ends, mm. and then and and then it's like this thing of where like you cannot have one without the other. Like you, and and it's, and it's that same duality too. Like you cannot experience love without experience some kind of loss or some kind of heartbreak or some kind of love that you thought was love, but maybe you know, but it wasn't. I don't know. I yeah, because I feel like it's, it's value. Yeah. So it's like if you if you've always known a life where you have money, when you don't have it, then you you value that more. Mm-hmm. Or if you know a life where you never had parents, and then you get people who who are like your parent figures, then you like value that more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and I don't know. Do, do you remember those books where it was like choose your own ending? Like growing up. So yeah. that's that's it. Like I was very um, what is it um, reminiscent about when I was going through your split project because it was like hmm choose this or hmm <laughs> choose that choose your own adventure. Yeah, choose your own adventure. But anyways, I'm sorry. No, continue, it's okay. Continue about that. School. That's dope that you pointed that out because you know the 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 little audio visual book piece that I'm doing that love is purple. Yeah, that is. That's a good segue, by the way. To yeah, your next project. it's it. You yeah. know, it's supposed to be essentially a book form. Yeah, and that is like a choose your own adventure. Got it. Because it kind of emphasizes the point of like where. Um, let's say like when you are exploring love in your life, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, I mean, some people really put that as like, oh, it's fate or it's like meant to be, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's supposed you have this like idea of like what love is supposed to be. So you keep forcing that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, or you just start acting lazy and you think it's just going to develop in that way. Mm-hmm. But no, it's not. It's all your choices. Yeah. All, all the things that you think that wasn't supposed to happen to it's it's actually some form of your choices that made it that way so yeah that love yeah love is love is purple is is like a choose your own adventure book it's it's, it's a story that you can click choose change read listen watch because it, it it flips from the page to to maybe like a photo to to a link to a video and it might bring you back to the pages but depending on what you choose you have the chance to potentially change the story. So can you give me a log line or synopsis of Split and then give me one of Love is Purple? Split is uh, you get to meet the characters June, which is the girl, and Ray, which is the guy. And you ride along with them on their highs and lows of their love. And it's a reflection of, of us. Like how 
how we interpret love. Um, it there's there's three characters in Split, and and one is her friend, which her friend Christy is like more of a minor role, but it represents our our ideals and our values and how we how we deal with love or how we deal with breakups or just how we deal with the opposite. That's Split. Love is purple. Oh, love is purple. Um, it is a love story that you, as the reader, as the consumer, love is purple. Oh, that's the theme song. <laughs> please, please don't add that in there. <laughs> love is purple soundtrack coming soon. Spotify and title. <laughs> so, love is purple. The idea behind it—it's basically a. Essentially, it's a story. It's a story that you can read, um, you can look, you can click, you can listen, you can watch, you can most importantly choose, and you can change. So it is like a choose-your-own-adventure book. But what it explores is uh, the art and the experiences that we feel like it's like the art that we create and the experiences that we feel out of manic love so there is six styles of love and um this was based off of um not to get too like deep into it but not get deep <laughs> there's um, enlighten us there's these different styles of love where where like there's like altruistic love you know it's like selfless and then there's like that kind of like friendship kind of vibe of love. Um, there's like like that obsessive love, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this love is purple. Uh, it dives into mania, and that's and mania. It's represented by the color purple. It's based off of a book. It's a 1973 book by John Allen Lee. And it's called Colors of Love. And he breaks it down where he divides into six styles of love. It's, it's that, like it's yeah. like Eros. What's, his, what's the author's name? John Allen Lee. And that's your cousin? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, so there's all these different kinds of love. There's like that kind of like love at first sight. Yeah. You know, we all know about that. Mm -hmm. There's ludus, uh, which is like that kind of like playful kind of love where it's just like kind of fun, casual, carefree. You know how like modern dating is that doesn't really have a lot of substance. Um, there's Zing. yeah okay. <laughs> then there's another kind of love which is like uh, prag pragma, um, and and that that's represented by like the color green, and that's a very practical love, like where mm, pragmatic. Yeah, pragma. you know, like people who are like very logical, people who are like we make sense together. Yes, you know, like we're a good fit together because you know we we manage our finances the same exact way, yeah. or like. Oh, you fixed my 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 uh, shower head for me. Like that's so sweet. You know, like it's yeah. like practical shit. Like I need someone to do that for mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. as opposed to like you know, like oh, you bought me a bouquet of flowers. More like, no, no, no. I'd rather have you fix my bathroom. Yes, because I need that fixed. Yes. Um, but yeah, mania is kind of like that obsessive love, like where we deal with these like euphoric highs and like these painful like you know skin peeling lows so it is i think an evolution of split 
you know, Split kind of explored that too, the very quick highs and the very quick lows, but then you get to decide what happens at the end based off of what you saw, which was really interesting because it was very half and half. Hmm. Yeah, like from the people that saw it, like half the people said like, no, they're still together. And then half the people were like, no, that's over. That's good because it's, it's like... And it was very interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. And I would ask people like, why? So like, it's like half and half. Yeah. Split. Yeah, I w- and I would ask people, like, why? Like, what what was it that you saw that gave you the signal, like, no, yeah, it's over? Mm. Or what was it that gave you the signal, like, no, it's not? And it was really interesting to hear people talk, like, what it was they picked up from it. Like, things that I didn't even really intentionally put in it, but when they would point it out, I was like, oh. Isn't that amazing when people I was like, look at oh my work like god, that? wow, yes, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. So yeah, love is purple is um, like I'm really trying to simplify it as much as possible, and it's been really crazy because love is anything but, mm. but then at the same time it is. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, it essentially explores the dualities of love, um, and I'm doing it in an artistic manner, like using my, like all the things that I've learned with photography, you know, like the way the like, like for instance, like example, like something as easy as like optical illusions, you know, like when we like photograph things and like our perspective shifts and your eyes play tricks on you. Mm -hmm. And, And that same kind of optical illusion happens in certain senses of like a manic state of love. And then also, like, just art in a sense, like, some of the greatest forms of art, whether it be in music or writing or what, you know, anything, like, it comes from this really crazy place of this, like, feeling of, like, manic love where you you don't really know, like, you know what it feels like, but you can't really logically say what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of just, like, really explores that. You'll just have to get the book and see. Yeah, you know, I'm going to get the pre-order. Let me know when the pre-order <laughs> come out. I'm going to make sure I cop that junk. Now, you, uh, I really dig the fact that, because I feel like sometimes, and, like, when we're younger, I feel like we did more stuff just because we wanted to do it and express it. And when we get to being on our own and making money, sort of our focus can tend to change, but I love the fact that you maintain this part part of you where you just want to create. And I feel like I've been able to create projects and done stuff and then people would approach me to do other things. So people, that's another thing, when people don't understand like, just by me creating, I'm putting ideas out and then it's eventually going to get monetized. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's dope. And another thing that I admire about you, Bo, is that you're not afraid. Well, this is my interpretation. It seems like you're not afraid to use yourself as the canvas. Like you have pictures of yourself and, excuse me, you have pictures of yourself and it's, and it's like of your cat and all these things that are just like of you. So you're like setting the tripod up and like taking photos of yourself or are you having someone else taking photos of you? Uh, the one, like the, the selfies of me and my cat? Or, or just like 
Like, oh yeah, some some of them are photos that are taken. Like I'll I'll have like a photographer do it. Oh okay. Yeah yeah. I'll have a photographer do it. Um, there are some photos that I've done where yeah it is set up on a tripod and we'll just put it on a timer. Like some easy ones where you don't really mm-hmm. have to do like. But that's dope. Any kind of movement because yeah. just like you're the subject of your own shit and your own idea. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it's like sometimes I find it where like, I mean, you might know too, like sometimes it's easier to execute that way yeah. for the time being. Yeah. To yeah, like, like get oh, your point across. Right. I think if there's like anyone out there who is, who has an idea that wants to like create it, um, Definitely, like, if you can find a team to do it, that's really great. Like, find someone to work with you on it, that's great. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, you're, like, more than capable enough to, like, go do it. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be some high omega, like, production kind of thing. I mean... The, all, those kind of b- barriers yeah. are not there anymore. Because they can kind of feel like overwhelming. Like, oh, I got to do this and that. But then you're like, oh, let me just put up this camera and take it on myself. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that's it. Blah, blah. Yeah. Do a little post. Like, what, like, if you need to fix something, if you need to crop something out, crop it. Like, boom, you're yeah. done. I'm all about people getting their ideas out. And I think the uh, final thing I want to talk about on, on this portion is, can you tell me about your reset project? Yes. Okay. Yes, I will tell you. Um, so, I mean, this initially wasn't even supposed to be a project, but I decided to just turn it into it because it took a big portion of my life last year. And I think... Um, I'm, it, so, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. I'm like so excited about this one. Because <laughs> I've seen like, I don't know, like, I, like you have a way of telling stories visually that really is engaging but it's sort of like it's sort of like a mystery but then it's sort of like i know what it is but then you're still anticipating like what it actually is going to be so i feel like you're pretty masterful in your ability to execute an idea and have a sort of anticipate i was like trying to say anticipatory i think that's a word but i want to say you have a great way of establishing anticipation oh, for well, thank you. people. Well, at least for me, anyway. But anyways, your reset project. Okay, yeah. Well, I will say when 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 it's finally ready and when I finally put it out, like it's gonna be pretty like thorough. Where um, I'm trying to put in as much resources as possible. You know, by no means am I like this expert or like a doctor or anything, but mm-hmm. I am very deeply invested in what I experience and what I bounce back from. So based off of that, based off of everything I learned from that, mm-hmm. yes, I can share that. You know, like even if it comes down to like the things that I've read, things that I've seen, like things that I've tried and what worked, what didn't work, what things that, that you might, I don't know, feel and you don't understand because your head is in like such a crazy cloud but yeah so last year i like okay as a little preface as a little backdrop i consider myself to be a pretty damn like healthy person i'm not gonna say balanced like 
every, we all have our neuroses, you know, we're all neurotic about something. And yes, I was like neglecting myself with sleep here and there. If I was like doing a little extra work here, doing a little extra work here, there, because it was stuff that I love to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and you try to find like this really good balance in your life where like, okay, it's not just about work. Like work is not me. Like there's so much more to me than just what I do to make money or what I do in terms of creating. Like I have family, I have friends, I have like hobbies and I want to upkeep those too. What? Doing Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So at some point, I mean, basically this reset project came because I went through a insane burnout, like just, and, and it's, and I'm telling you guys, if there's people out there that haven't experienced it, like, it's it's not something that just it doesn't happen overnight like it's it's kind of like i don't know i guess you can compare it to like smoking or something mm-hmm. like it it builds over time like it, it, it just it, it's it's literally a death by a thousand cuts it's all these little things you do and you keep doing it over and over Mm. and then it becomes like this habitual reaction like let's say you have like your workload that just keeps going up and up and up and let's say you're like an ambitious type you know what i mean and then so you just kind of like you think like no i can handle it or like you're really trying to challenge yourself so you're like no this is the process you know this is something that you kind of have to sacrifice because yes like in a way like if you're freelancing or if you're an entrepreneur or if you're a parent like you're gonna have to sacrifice certain things like if it was so easy everybody would have it yeah so you had this idea you had this mindset and you kind of push yourself and then you push yourself and and what happens is your baseline shift and then and 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 then that becomes your new normal so you can be waking up every morning tired as hell and then you you know rush to go get like your little cup of caffeine and you run off of that and then you're just like frazzled and then you you know all these like little things they become like these daily habits and they cut you every day and then one day i was like completely burnt out like i mean i went through anxiety insomnia hair loss depression like uh foggy but pretty much like went into my it like messed up like the way that my workflow the way that i dealt with like my like just i can't even everything it it, it was like the biggest burnout of my life yeah and the thing is i was doing the same systems that worked for me five years ago which yeah i was younger so maybe it worked for me because and yeah maybe i had less responsibilities or yeah maybe like you know my body was like okay i'll 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 work with you on this but at certain point like it's like no it's not sustainable at all Mm. and and it's like i i hate preaching this stuff because i think people read this around all the time but i swear if your when you experience it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your body has a way of telling you everything. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times we don't listen. So then, yeah, I experienced a really bad burnout. Um, I thought I was losing my mind. And then so I documented it all. 
<laughs> I documented it all. Um, I turned it into pretty much a project because I had to put everything on hold. I put everything on hold so I can just work on my health. So since I didn't work on anything else really too much for the last half of last year, I decided to just make what I did work on, which is my health, into a project that I can share this year. Um, it was supposed to be like a month reset that I was going to do, but it actually took like a few months mm -hmm. because there were certain things that I still failed at, um, certain things that like I still struggle with now, which is sleep. Um, but yeah, so my reset project kind of I mean, it's, it's a process. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's for sure a process because you're because there's certain things where you're literally reversing, uh, you're like undoing habits that you've done your whole life, mm -hmm. and it's hard as hell to change yourself. Oh hell yeah! yeah. And, and no matter how woke or aware you are about certain things about you, uh, like there there are a lot of sub subconscious things that happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it, that, that, it, that, that, that's already made that decision for you before you're even like, wait, hold on. So yeah, the reset project is, uh, just really, uh, showing a really, really personal raw side of like what I went through. I mean, like I will show you a photo of what my hair looked like six months ago compared to what my hair looks like six months later. I can't wait to see like how, how much my hair was like. Like all here was bald, damn near. And then it, it, it like, but anyway, so you'll see that. Um, I talk about the, the main stuff that I tackle is uh, sugar, how evil sugar is. Like, I mean, how it's linked to um, ev everything, like just right. your, 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 how it messes up your insulin, how it messes up your liver, how, how really bad you can get if you do um, emotionally eat, like all this stuff. So, so yeah, sugar, sleep, um, just how you manage overall stress mm -hmm. and, um, what was it? Yeah, sugar, sleep, stress, and the three S's. Yeah, sugar, sleep, stress. Sugar, sleep, and stress. It's just answering the question like, what happens when you really begin to take care of what's really important? Because mm. nowadays, I feel like with a lot of us, it is that is the first thing that goes. The first thing we sacrifice is ourselves. It is our health in order to pursue everything else. And we all know we're not supposed to, but that is what we do. So yeah, the reset project is 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 going to be a project that I'm going to share online and it's not going to be a highlight reel. <laughs> it's not it's not all the pretty stuff. It's not it's nothing like that. Which um, is very brave of you to do, to show. Yeah, I um I'm hoping that it if there's someone that you know, I've told you. Like, if there's someone out there, yeah, yeah like we on we the brink. Near, we damn near had this podcast recording already on on the phone. But what I was telling Bo was that when someone is vulnerable and sharing these experiences, there's someone out there who can relate and have been going through the similar thing, and they feel like alone. So for someone as yourself who is sharing this experience. Is you're connecting with other people that you may never ever meet but to not feel alone is a wonderful feeling 
And I think it's dope that you're doing this project because it's definitely going to inspire other people who have gone through similar burnouts and ambitions and and these type of feelings of depression and all this thing. So I uh, I really appreciate or I'm really looking forward to yeah. this project. I mean, I, I hope that even too, because like, I don't, th- I, I don't know. I don't know how many people out there are like going through a really, really bad burnout like I did. You know, I'm sure there are people like that, but more so than that too, there are a lot of people out there who are in this like low grade like low-grade chronic burnout where every day Mm -hmm. they feel kind of shitty and they don't have to feel that way they just deal with it but they just deal with it like that's their normal thing and it could be something as really minor like it's it's not like life-threatening or it's not like dealing with depression but it's more like even even something as simple as like yeah i smoke every day or like uh, yeah, I have to have like a morning cup of coffee every day. And that could just be as simply as like a habit break. But there are some, some people that really believe it because they, they cannot function without it because your energy is so out of whack. Mm-hmm. I will say on this podcast, I will say an indicator that you're kind of off balance that you need to fix yourself. It, uh, it, it was something, what would they say? Like, is your... Um, is your hunger, energy, and cravings are they in check? Mm. So if you hunger, energy, and cravings. Yeah. So if you find yourself like always being hungry for like the wrong things, I guess it kind of falls in line with like cravings. If your cravings are completely out of whack, mm-hmm. and your energy, if your energy is always like low, you know, like when I hear people saying like oh, I'm so tired, like, I'm so tired today, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're not supposed to be tired like that. People think that shit is normal. It's not. Like, our bodies are not like that. Our bodies aren't meant to feel tired by 1 p.m. And if you feel that way, maybe you shouldn't sit for, like, five hours in a row. Maybe you should go outside a little bit. Maybe you should think about like moving your body a little bit more. Maybe you should work out every day. Maybe you shouldn't eat shitty food. I don't know. Whatever it is. Let them know, bro. I don't know. Whatever it is. Like, Let them know. Hey, I will, I will find like five people and I'm down to like one-on-one coach you. I'm like, like, tell me your habits and I will tell you what to change. And I guarantee you in like four weeks, you'll feel different. Or even two. I, I cured my sugar addiction, my sleep insomnia, my anxiety attacks, my depression. And so those are pretty like big shit that I toppled that's over. That's yeah. That's but it, yeah, it was definitely an experience. The next question I want to talk to you about is um, the use of social media. And I feel like you do an excellent job at, I'm like singing your praises. Like, <laughs> no, seriously. Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. But it's like, I don't know. It's like, I haven't seen you in a while. So it's like sort of that dynamic too. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you have a dope, um, like, social media presence. I feel we were talking earlier about how we're in this interesting space where it's like, I know you, but I don't really know you on the social media thing. So how, how what is your take on social media and how it, impacts your craft and the projects you create because a lot of it is online yes 
Um, okay, so this is like a very, I mean, this is obviously like personal to me. I take social media, um, I really dig social media because it connects me to creatives like you. Holla. Um, yeah, it does. Because um, I, have, I have friends, I have a core group of friends who I have known since high schools, um, some people since middle school, mm-hmm. and we're still friends and we're still tight. Mm-hmm. And I love them to death, Mm -hmm. but we are on very different paths, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very different. I mean, a lot of them now, right now, are married and on that, I'm about to have a kid life, Mm. you know? So, and I love that. But I know it. I know it. But as a creative, we can only talk so much. Yeah. I mean, like, sometimes I'll literally get with my girls and all we talk about is babies and, and marriage and how to get pregnant and I, I cannot relate to that at all mm-hmm. so um, yeah so digitally like social media it, it, it's really connected me to finding people that like inspire me mm-hmm. that that I've even been able to work with I mean I guess so at the base of it yeah opportunity and inspiration and just like kind of like this like community in a sense url to irl so like from me from the digital space to irl which is in real life and and i've i've literally like met really great friends that i am still friends with now till this day from people that i've met through twitter and i feel like i mean we was talking earlier about can i say it's like it's like we were saying how it was kind of weird where if (laughs) Yeah, yeah if, if you're somewhere and you follow someone on social media and you meet and then you see them in person and then you don't say anything but then you speak to them on social media after you saw them in person and you didn't speak like, that's weird <laughs> that's weird that's weird I'm y'all. sorry that is weird because I feel like you were just watching me the whole time it's kind of creepy you know and and obviously i have no idea yeah but i'll know after the after the fact and yeah it's like the streets is watching <laughs> and then you follow someone and it's like just speak in person and if you're not sure that that it's that not that person just speak because i don't know i feel like even though social media allows the world to be smaller, like it's always good to be able to connect with people and to be reminded of that. And this is a story that uh, I thought was the perfect example of how social media has like kind of changed. Well, let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Let me let me kind of like flip it for a okay. little mini second. How do you feel about social media, and how do you feel social media has done for you? Well, let me let me tell you this story. Let me tell you this story. I was I threw me and my homegirl when I was uh, in, in Harlem, and my homegirl came in from out of town. She's a singer, and uh, this was when I was on Twitter heavy. So I was she was coming in from out of town. She didn't really like know a lot of people. So I was like, "Yo, are you good? Are you good? Are you good?" And I'm like getting lit, and I'm having a good time. I'm dancing, whatever, whatever. And the whole time she's over there in the corner. Uh-huh. And I was like, damn, I hope she's having a good time. So the next morning I wake up and like hung over. So I'm like looking at my uh, Twitter feed and I looked at her Twitter feed and she was like, oh, this party is popping. This is that and the third. So 
reading her Twitter feed, you would think that she was the life of the party. Yeah. But she was sitting over in the corner. And I felt like that was like the perfect example of how social media can like kind of distort. Yeah, it's like a distorted type of reality and it's interesting. But at the same time, I feel like social media is like a different world. Like we're we, Okay, not, let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think social media like do you think the digital world affects our real life? Yeah, do you, I do. More so, do you think it's more so this way or do you think it's more so this way? Mm-hmm. Which, okay, in podcast sense, that makes no sense. So oh, yeah. do you think it means like, do you think your digital identity affects now more of your, you know, real life identity or is it your real life identity affecting your digital identity? Well, I feel like it's, I feel like it, it, it depends on what you're willing to share. Because it's like, I was telling you earlier about some projects that I have in the works, but no one else knows. So it's like, if you don't share it on social media, did you really do anything? But (laughs) you know what I'm saying? If a tree drops in the forest and no one's around, (laughs) does it really make a sound? Yeah. So that's how I sort of feel about social media. So, I mean, now I'm like at a better place, but when I first started on social media, it was kind of weird because like people were at me like, oh, looking for a videographer, looking for an editor. And I would get gigs. Like I would get legit gigs off of social media and I would be sharing my work. So it's like staying in people's minds. So whenever I shared something, I would want people to think of Emil. Like, oh, Emil, this video. Oh, I have an event, Emil, oh, Emil. Like, like I work with some pretty dope shit. Like, Violator and rest in peace, um, Chris Lighty and some artists and like in their office and I'm like meeting Russell Simmons and all this shit because of social media. But if I wasn't on there and sharing my work, people wouldn't been aware that I was doing these certain things. Yeah. So I feel like a part of it is on us to be to share. Just like if you're sharing this pro these projects and these uh, art pieces, then people will be like, oh. You know, and you're like staying in people's minds. So I feel like we're in the driver's seat on the social media tip. So it's like contingent on what we're willing to share to determine what we're going to go. Because I don't really be on social media. Like, I don't tell too much about the TV shows that I work on because I feel like they're kind of like not, I'm not quite passionate about it, but I'm still learning and it's good money or whatever. Um, But I think I'll answer your question. No, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, it, it's it's very uh, it's very context based. Yes. Because I I mean I have friends who are like a creative, you know. Let's say they're like a graphic designer mm-hmm. or freelance worker. Yeah. And you know, people always like some people will always push this idea of like, no, you need to have like a really uh, present social uh you know identity and you have to be consistent with it and you have to continuously like post things or whatnot whatever like mm-hmm. communicate yeah with whoever are your followers or whoever are whoever you're connected with online but you know i literally have friends who don't do that like they have social media and they may not have a big following like quote-unquote big following but it doesn't really matter to them because yeah because their jobs are purely referral based 
Like, mm-hmm. you don't need that. I mean, yeah, maybe they could utilize social media. Maybe that might boost something, you know, or maybe that might just help their exposure. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, it, I think it's a very context-based. I think it's very, like, you need to know your objectives in a sense. You know, if you're trying to use social media to make profit or bring in lead generation, like, you know, get into marketing shit, like, mm-hmm. if that's what you're trying to do, then, yeah, then strategize for that. Mm-hmm. But if you're using social media to hang with friends, like, for instance, for me, like, my Facebook, it's strictly friends. Yeah, because everyone has social media for different purposes. Exactly. Yeah. But if you are using social media channels as a tool, as a marketing tool, at you know, for your business or for your service, then treat it as such. Mm-hmm. Then yes, then then yeah, it probably won't matter more than someone else. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's definitely. I, I think it's definitely a good tool. Yeah. And or, or and if it's without, not even used as a tool, it's just you know it's fun. Without it, I wouldn't have met you. Right? That, that, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like never be this. I've never. That's why. Same. That's why I like Twitter. That's why I like. That's why I like Instagram. That's why I like. Um, I honestly, I don't really use Snapchat. Um, mm-hmm. but but also too, I think about the future. I think about the future and how much all of this stuff is even going to matter later. And I, I I really believe none of this shit is gonna matter later. Okay. None of it. Well, you know what I think about too is, okay, let's say if I have kids. Yes. Or if and when I have kids, then they could look on my Facebook and see what I did in <laughs> 2017. I think that is bugged out. Can you imagine seeing what your grandma did in 1950 and being able to look at her? You know what I'm saying? And be like, but, look but, at her but, thoughts but, and her post. Yeah, but that, also, too, oh, though, wow. I, I have a question. Okay. Like, how authentic is that? Because that, that, that could be a very well, like, curated feed. That's... That could be a very well... You know, they always good. talk about social is a highlight reel. That's why I said the Reset Project, it, it's not a, a highlight, highlight reel. reel. It right. is nothing. It is everything but that. But... This actually leads into another question I yes, wanted to ask. Okay. Was there ever a moment, I guess the reset project is this for you, but I feel like was there ever a moment or a major mistake or something that happened with you that made you want to be like, uh, you know what, I want to get a nine to five. Did you ever consider not being a photographer or a content creator anymore? Did you, that thought ever cross your mind? Yeah. It did. <laughs> yeah, for it, sure. Was it in the reset Era? Um, Because uh, yeah. we would have never known. I think, I, I think so. I think, I think it was part um, existential. Like, I mean, you know, what, what, what's that saying? Like existential crisis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I have this, I have this feeling of like where you are when someone is like very aware of like a particular situation or like they're aware of like your own tendencies, your own flaws or your, you know, like your strengths, like you're just aware of shit. Like you just observe shit. Yeah. 
But it's like, no matter how aware you are, there are still things that slip by you. Like, that is human nature. There are biases that you have. There are, like, these um, unconscious reactions that you do. And, like... I, I used to think about that and get and start feeling a lot of anxiety over it because I would know like no matter how much I would learn about myself, no matter how much I would learn about like the people around me or the environment around me, I cannot control all the things that influence me. Like yeah. and and then yes, I know this now, but like from the time I was born till all the way up till when I was just living my life and being a consumer and being like just part of this society and just like all of that stuff like you have to because growing is 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 very tied to unlearning a lot of shit that's been like shoved down your throat hell yeah so that overwhelmed me a lot that that overwhelmed me a lot it overwhelmed me a lot that was definitely part of my whole anxiety thing um i think yeah um i i I think also too like as much as we all say we love change people love fucking comfort they love what they know they feel safe with what they know you know they we we stay away from fear we stay away from conflict we stay away from uncomfortable conversations like that's that's how we are so i i I think a part of it too was last year i started kind of feeling a little uncomfortable i was really uncomfortable actually with being comfortable like i knew that there was something more yeah like i knew that this wasn't like this wasn't good enough for me Mm-hmm. But then, but then I was frustrated with the fact that I didn't know what else it was that I needed to do, and then so I just kept like pushing myself and doing a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. trying to figure it out, and then and then that would make and yeah, and then that like fed into everything. Like it would be like where I would be like stressed out, and then I'm like, no, I have to work on this. So then I would like stay up all night and work on it, and then you know like. If you stay up, and I will explain this all in the reset project. But if you like stay up all night, it 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 not only psychologically messes you up, but it biochemically messes you up. So you have these crazy cravings. So then, like you, then I eat all this sugar, yeah. and then like and then and then that messes you up even more. And yeah, it was like this vicious cycle. It's like this vicious cycle of like, no, I need to do more. I need to figure this out. Um, and then, and then sabotaging like my sleep schedule, which would then in turn sabotage my eating habits, which would then in turn sabotage the way I would feel psychologically about myself because I just binged on like a pint of ice cream. You know, like, you know, like, um, it was sea salt caramel. (laughs) That sounds good. (laughs) I've literally sat in an edit session by myself edit session I was editing video and I ate a talenti pint of sea salt caramel by myself and then afterwards I felt disgusting like just but it was like that kind of anxiety like I was like literally feeding my anxiety 
So yeah, like things like that. Yeah, but I, I, I guess at the base of it, yeah, I was, I was uncomfortable with being comfortable. But I couldn't figure out exactly what it was that I needed to change. Yeah. This concludes part one of the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Bo Lee interview. For the exciting conclusion, part two. Tune in next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> but um, we talked for a little over three hours, so I decided to break it up into two parts. So. See y'all next week. Thanks for listening. I'm in your part of town. I call your phone and you know where to be found. You do this every time. You be in my every single time. The part that kills me. You rather chill with your friends instead of me. But I ain't gonna be no clown I guess I'll call you next time I'm in your town And you say to me <laughs>